Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name's Nick. Hello, I'm Woogie. We are the Mouth of Manliness. This is a podcast all about uh, mental health. But it's not just mental health. Um, it's kind of about people's lives and about uh, how they cope and how they manage in the world. Yeah, and digging into the stories that make them who they are. Yeah, so it's real life stories um, where we talk about things that people have been through and how they've managed and how they've coped and how they've come out the other side. So sometimes it's just me and Woggie here, but more often than not we're talking to guests, uh, sometimes more well-known guests, but more often than anything it's um, just normal people who have been through um, interesting situations. Yeah, and they've all got a lovely story to tell. Yeah, so mouth and manliness, we are about mental health, but we're more about people and stories. So, welcome to the mouth. The mouth of manliness. To the mouth of manliness. Welcome back, everyone. Um, yep, season three. I'm Nick. You know me. This is Wargoo. Are you there? How's it all going? Lovely to be back. It's so <laughs> cold, isn't it? It's so cold. <laughs> Nonchalant. <laughs> and I'm like, no. ah! Funny, like, I, I will feel flat all day. And then, like, for this hour, I'm like, mm. just switch it on. I'm like, right, 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 let's go. Suddenly turn, and I really do. It's been a moment. I'm like, oh, I'm on the radio or something. Um, Perfect. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. So um, um, our guest today is Neil Reed. Neil, um, I met via my black dog. Hello, Neil. Hello, Nick. Uh, I want to be a little bit more like you. Nick, hello everyone. Hello, Neil. I'm right, mate. back, but I'm not. It's the first time I've been on, so uh, hi. Yes, <laughs> lovely to meet you. How's it all going? You good? Yeah, all right. Actually, yeah, yeah. I've had a, I've had a bit of a, a down a couple of weeks, but that's down to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've uh, been um, not uh, meditating uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I do like meditation, tai chi, mm. hiking everything to try to keep my head straight and uh, I've not done none of it over the last two weeks and I've been a right git mm. so my wife last night told me you've not been walking you've not been doing it please do it <laughs> so I, I did I have those conversations <laughs> regularly with my wife exactly those conversations you're not doing anything that makes you feel well 
Mm. It's like, and and the thing is, it's kind of it's it's alluring the darkness. It allures you in, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, uh, it's really weird to try and tell someone that it actually it's something quite nice and comforting about. Yeah, that I was darkness. just about to say that's like a little comfort blanket, isn't it? Yeah, kind of like get get a little cozy, and all of a sudden you realise you're just being a complete tit, and then you have to go and do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say you realise. I, I, my wife normally realises when I'm being a tit, and then I pull my finger out. Yeah. So yeah, that's normally the case. Yeah. Other than that, I've been good. How about you two? How are you two been? Yeah. Warren's been crazy busy being a fucking rock star. <laughs> yeah, I mean that sounds glamorous, but um, I'm I'm currently writing a soundtrack. And I'm making loads of other um, podcasts for people, and I feel like I really need a fucking minute. <laughs> um, like you just said, I haven't had. I, I go on hikes to like. Uh, I go on like as as long as I can. I, I put a weight pack on, usually about yeah. like um, it's between twenty and forty key in a in this pack thing, and it's hard to do. But I got up to doing twenty six miles on a weekend with my pal, and we was doing it on a weekend every Saturday for a little while. And that slow, I moved house and that slowly deteriorated to me barely doing five miles a week now. And it's like, I know I can feel physically that it's not doing its job. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes. but I didn't, on the flip side of it, I didn't have the work, right? So because of COVID and everything else, it was yeah. my entire world. And then since then, I've had about 10 jobs every day. I've had people like messaging me, at waking up at 6.30 in the morning to people asking me where she is. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> One extreme to the other, isn't it? Yeah, but so quickly. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. I feel that's, I feel that's been exactly it. So like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I get to this point of like anxiety where I just get fucking full of like, oh, just tension. And I feel like I've just got to go and punch a bag or something. or, or <laughs> And I just ain't got the fucking time. <laughs> so, unfortunately then it comes to like drinking wine or whatever and then that's the only form and waking up feeling you know this is just sort of how it goes yes yeah yeah well, exactly that's, i've gone for water <laughs> oh, nicely done nicely done exactly what about you nick how you been this week mate uh, i've been um actually i've been all right really i've i i do get up i i um yeah, I, I'm very up and down. I've been very up and down for a little while, really. I've gone from being pretty good, pretty chipper, everything's good, to, um, like, the old thoughts come back. Uh, it don't take much for me to get into that kind of suicidal thoughts and feelings like that. that um, but there's, there's varying degrees of that for me because I've had that all my life. So now, uh, like, I'll get it a little bit and like, I can cope with that. Uh, and then I just try and distract myself. Um, and, you know, like you guys would do, like, you do exercise. I, I, I don't, can't bear exercise. So uh, I try and do like, Yeah, I don't even like walking though, anymore. I, I fucking hate, I walk a dog and I don't, and I don't like walking my dog for half an hour. I, I, I hate exercise of any sort. So I tend to, uh, I'll, I'll make something that normally, that makes me feel good. And I may turn today and that made me feel good. Little achievements, isn't it? It's little achievements. Little achievements. So tell us about what, so what are you doing for my black dog at the moment? You're doing a fundraiser, aren't you? Uh, 
I actually spoke to Nikki uh, Clark earlier today and she says, what aren't you doing for my black dog at the moment? Yeah, yeah you are doing a few you know, things. Do you, know, do you know, like, when you do things for people, you, you, you just want to keep doing more and then you come up with these stupid ideas and then you, you put them to someone and then you... So, um, so obviously, I'm helping out with Carfest because we've got Carfest. So I'm helping out at Carfest South. Uh, my wife and daughter are helping out as well. So uh, we're helping out in a stall and... My little one wants to meet McFly, so I'm quite glad that she's into like kind of um, um, a band that actually play instruments. That's quite nice. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, we got that. And then um, I've done Hadrian's Wall back in April. And it's funny you say about wearing 35 kilos on your back. I've done Hadrian's Wall over three and a half days, yeah. 96 miles with 35 kilos on my back. Yeah. Uh, that was um, ruling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that taught me a lesson. Mm. And and because we're going up south, uh, up north, sorry, because we're going up north, we packed for we mate packed for um, cold and wet weather. We come back with sunburn. Um, it's the only time it's bloody sunny up there. It was the four days we were up there. So, um, but no, that was good. That was that was fifteen hundred pounds we raised for uh, my black dog for that. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It was, yeah, it was. That was that was amazing. I, I was hoping for more, but um, I think I just kind of, you know, just put like the stupid amount on there and just went right. Let's see what happens. Um, because I didn't know just giving you could increase as you go, so I just went for like a, I went for five grand and just see what happens. Um, so yeah, off the back of that, um, uh, in September, uh, uh, it's uh, September the tenth is National Suicide Prevention Day. Yeah. So uh, over that period, I'm walking from Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol, uh, 171 miles to um, Eastbourne, so Beachy Head, uh, where the uh, lighthouse is. Uh, right, two massive suicide spots. Three massive suicide spots. So I, yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't choose one in Scotland or something, because that would have just been um, horrendous. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing it over um, five and a half days. So that's 32 miles a day and then 11 miles on the last day. So, yeah. So uh, after Hadrian's Wall, I kind of realised that was a ridiculous thing to do, but that's the only time I can get off of work. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, right, okay, I've got to do it. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's going to be interesting, but um, I'm not carrying all my gear. Uh, I learned that from Hadrian's Wall. So we're having support walkers. Um mm. So I have one in the morning, one in the afternoon. People want to walk alongside. Um, I've got a radio station that's doing um, one of the last days. Uh, it's going to join me while I'm camping to interview me and stuff. Um, yeah, so it's just if people want to help out and stuff like that, there, there will be a link on uh, my black dog, but I've got to map it out properly first. So, yeah, so, yeah, that, that's that one. Um, hoping to get sponsorships. Um it's not set in stone yet, but Kazoo, the uh, car company, uh, mm. they're looking at sponsoring the car to drop off the support walkers. Right. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully we're going to be getting our name out there a little bit. So, yeah, so, yeah, I basically need to pull my finger out because I've done three miles today with the dog, which took me two hours, which was ridiculous because, yeah, walking with a dog ain't great. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I got to pick that pace up, but I was knackered when I got back. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so um, yeah, I got to pick up my um, 
my fitness. <laughs> I think pull my finger out a little bit. But yeah, that's, so yeah, busy. That's insane. That's insane. So um, yeah, give me all the links and I'll share them on all on all the podcast stuff. Um, so tell me, um, so what led you to doing all this then, Neil? Let's, let's tell me about you. Because I know you've said, because we spoke, didn't we, briefly the other day? Yeah. And you said something that, um, like you said that, like, we shared that, like, with Nikki, we've kind of suffered since we were very young. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's not as usual, is it? Most people have a period or it's in their 20s, but, like, you and I and... And Nikki from My Black Dog have been suffering yeah. since we were kids. Yeah, um, mine, um, like thinking back, um, the first time I kind of remember really struggling was when I started secondary school. Really. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I suppose I, I grew up never really realising that boys are supposed to fancy girls and girls are supposed to fancy boys and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, um, yeah, when I got to secondary school, obviously I was, I went to an all boys, all boys school. Uh, mm. my brothers, my brother went there before me as well. He was a couple of years older than me. Um, and, uh, so yeah, when I got there, I kind of realized that you're not supposed to fancy boys as a boy. So I massively was questioning my sexuality when I was that age. And my dad works like five, six jobs. My mum had three kids trying to get the house sorted out. And then by the time I started secondary school, she had like got a job, a full-time job. So I didn't want to put pressure on them. I didn't want to talk to them because in those days, you know, you just, that I, 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 it wasn't as supportive then as it is now for no. someone who was, is questioning sexuality or questioning their mental health and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit more um, open really, I suppose. So was that... I don't say perfect. It's never perfect, but... No. Like, then, I, my sexuality was really, really playing on my anxiety and, uh, and stuff. And, uh, yeah, when I was 12, I got in a bath with one of my dad's safety razors, and I never understand why they call them safety razors. Um, but, yeah, got in a bath with a safety razor, and, um, yeah, that was, that was me, really, um, when I was 12, yeah. And... Uh, my mum's obsession with keeping the bathroom grout clean um, stopped me because I did. I, I the last thing that I kind of thought I remember vividly was sitting there in the bath, looking and then looking at the grout and going, "She's going to be really pissed at me if I get blood in that grout." <laughs> so I stopped. It wasn't that she would get annoyed that I'd done it. It was annoyed that I got blood in the grout and she wouldn't be able to get it out. <laughs> so Can I tell you about? Can I go back a little bit? Yeah, go on. So, so was it that um, at that time, um, so you you were kind of like unsure about your sexuality? Yeah. And and when you were when you were in the bath, did you cut or did you not? Was it did that was I, that was I, no? It was it was. My my um, hand was on the side of the bath next to the tiles, yeah. And I put the blade to my to my wrist, right. And um, and just as I don't know, it's like a divine intervention, I suppose. But just as I went for it, That's I looked and I saw the grout, and I thought that's going to get in the grout. 
Mm. Mum's going to go nuts. <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? It's like yeah. the, the, the smallest of things that your care, like you cared enough about life, really, yeah. that you cared enough about your mum not to want to <laughs> upset her. Because I'm always like, well, if I'm fucking dead... No, it won't matter. It won't matter at all. But I, since having children, I don't really think about that so much. So that's quite an intense place to be at such a young age. I think going to, like, we kind of don't really think about it, but going, I found going to senior school really difficult. It's horrible. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I remember so well, uh, like, I, I'm always really fussy about clothes and, um, I think that like sometimes when I, some of my issues and I was like, I didn't like any of the shirts. I'd end up wearing this really old shit shirt that I think was my sister's. And a girl took the piss out of my shirt. And in that moment, like a few things have happened before. I got a really bad pasting beforehand. But that one comment that this girl made, um, my whole world just crumbled in a moment. And I suddenly became aware of, uh, like, that, you know, how I looked. And I suddenly became incredibly self-conscious. And I wasn't particularly before that. Mm-hmm. And it, and plus you're in and it, like, you go into this big fucking building with loads of people who are bigger than you. You've got no idea what's going on. It must be really difficult, though. You said you like going to an all-boys school. Like, that in itself... Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I've often found, like, men particularly difficult. Like, for me, yeah, like, I always feel like I don't match up against a lot of men. So being around women, I feel more secure. Yeah, I do, though. I do. It's, it's that thing of, um, I've, I think it's it's your experiences. I was sort of brought, I mean, I've got a great relationship with my dad and my mum, but, like, I spent a lot of time sitting around the table with my mum and her friends talking about they would like weight watchers and their cheat days on a Wednesday and we'd have <laughs> and talk about how they and summer's parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't proving anyone for a bit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing that's interesting about like when you when you do that transition from like primary school and you go to secondary school and you see like you see ego and and then and then you see like the the you, it's, it's in in retrospect it's really interesting because I remember seeing like I went to school in, um, I went to primary school in Bethnal Green. Well, no, actually Hoxton. Sorry. And I was meant to go secondary school in Bethnal Green and then I ended up in Dagnum. And that was a bit different because obviously it was a far less diverse place. But it was yeah. also a lot more insecurity and it was a lot more about, um, a lot more about sort of being fucking uh, and horrible. And, and, and you could, re- and the kids that were the arseholes in the class when I got in and I was, I always loved music. I was brought up around music. So I was a bit flouncy, I guess, compared to these kids. And, and second to that as well, I guess I was a bit more accepting of um, uh, Muslim cultures because I, I was heavily brought up around that within Bethnal yeah. Green as well as West Indian as well. And also, and then so I went into the bang middle of what later, you know, what's always been known as the home of the BMP. So it's, yeah. Well, Farrakh is now. How is it? All oh, right. Well, at, at the time, Dagnum was the one. So. <laughs> I, went, I had the, I had the privilege of going to a Catholic school that did have like it, it had a different cultures in there, um, which was handy to be brutally honest. But then the schools around, it's like I remember getting there at like eleven, twelve, and being like, 
fucking hell, man. These these kids are fucking horrible, and they just were. And like, I, but I, I I did go to sort of a, I went to a mixed a mixed sex school, so I think there's the you can see you can see the all types of girls and the all because because it's it's quite a clear path. Whereas I, I can imagine being around like if if you don't because I didn't consider myself particularly alpha at all. Not, not really. As, as I, sat, I sat around with the girls talking about Weight Watchers and that, so I I remember feeling quite threatened, and 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 it was a bit of a fight or flight situation for me. But I mean, and 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 I saw I don't know. It's it's it, to be faced with that at such a young age is fucking it is traumatizing, isn't it? So, I, so for you to feel uh, that at twelve that strongly, I mean, I I just I guess I just sort of. How, how did it get to that point? I think is what yeah, I that's what I was thinking. There, there must be like build up there. Was it was it like pressure from like your peers immediately, or like yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, I mean, I, I never, I never made it clear. Um, you know, I never made it clear when I was that. Well, as far as, as far as I know, I never made it clear when I was that age that I, you know didn't know where I was in that in 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 with my sexuality um I didn't really so when I when it got to school obviously those kind of you know you, you go from primary school where you're like top of the tree in a sense because you're the oldest and yeah. all of that and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this world where everyone's trying to make a point and you know, as you say the ego step in and all that kind of stuff and then you get thrown into you know the, the difficult part of things is like you know all of a sudden you're thrown into showers with other other boys and you're like this is bizarre you know it was nothing I never thought anything there was nothing nothing like you know I wasn't looking at anyone or anything else like that it was just like this this is fucking weird and this isn't right and then that's I think they're the kind of times when I was thinking I'm thinking the wrong things and then I was putting that pressure on myself what happens if you know and then you know what happens if I do look and then someone has to go at me and I'll be like I don't know what to say and you know where do I go from here and uh, and stuff like that. And then I also had the added pressures that um, my brother, the same my brother, went to the same school. Uh, he was two years older. Uh, we're all um, swimmers. My brother was uh, he uh, swam for England and stuff like that. And um, in the hallways there was these boards sportsman of the year my brother was all over him and then you know academic of the year he was all over him um all every sport he was in it every academic thing he was in it and there was little old me dyslexic not knowing that i had depression questioning sexuality i couldn't kick it. the reason i started playing uh, rugby uh i've played rugby for a couple of seasons but the reason i played it is because i couldn't kick a football straight so i could play no ball if i played rugby um so you know, I was just not him. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked to my mom and dad the other day, actually. They said the first thing that on a parents' meeting was, oh, that's uh, Terry's brother, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Terry's doing really well. And it's like, well, I'm not here to talk about him. Yeah. No. You know, so I was always living in the shadow of someone else. And okay. I, I spent my life kind of taking that on him. And we had quite a, we had quite a, poor relationship growing up but then that was um exasperated by the way i was treated at school so every day i was told i'll never be as good as him every day i walk past the boards of his face or his his name on it and you know every day it'd be oh your brother's better than this it's like yeah i know you know 
It's amazing how those that kind of that uh, those messages of not good enough like seep into you because that's basically that's my growing up in many ways. Uh, like all the men in my family basically made me. I, I assumed they didn't like me. Um, they presented like they didn't like me, and sometimes they told me as such. And um, and they made me feel like I wasn't good enough. And they also kind of made me, uh, they made me question my sexuality. Um, not that I necessarily questioned it, but they made me, um, made me feel like I wasn't manly. You know, they I made me they, feel they like I'm not a man. Push, push the feminism part. That's of right, yeah, that's exactly a real man is is this maybe yeah. i'm not a real man then and maybe i'm you know maybe maybe i'm not the right sexuality yeah in a different way there's different pressures isn't there yeah you know? what i find what i find mad is is like with like like I, I i didn't feel that early on um the sort of questioning my sexuality i i i, I sort of went through the experience of fancying girls and blah, 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 but then having a really strong connection with my my friends, my, my male friends, my boy mates. And we yeah. went out and I, there was one time when um, it, was, it was the millennium, but what, what was considered the actual millennium, 2000, 2001. And, uh, and it was, we, were, we all went, we all just finished school and we went to Ali Pali and it was um, primal, Ali Pali. It was primal screen on one headline and it was Liam Howlett from The Prodigy on the other like headline in the, the welcome in 2001 thing right like, we, all, we, we were the sort of boys that sort of went out we went to indie clubs we were a little bit flouncy do you know what I mean like we sort of flirted a bit with each other and other and boy and whatever but we all fancied girls so we fought and knew and stuff and and around that time we were like because you know you bring the new year in we were like kissing each other and stuff do you know what I mean and, it's like, and we've always had that open like, relationship with another but to the same point I remember thinking at that point in my life do I like, like what? Do you know what I mean? Like, and 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 I, I always found that quite a healthy thing actually, because from that point onwards, I I accepted the fact that, and I've said it quite a lot on this podcast. But in terms of sexuality, what it sort of re- what it helped me realise was that I truly believed that down to an individual like interaction with somebody, um, because of I would never stop myself. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I think I think the benefit of having the experience of seeing seeing and feeling the pressures when I was younger, but not really questioning it then and questioning it later. It, I was a lot stronger, I think, in myself and able yeah. to sort of accept okay. it. The thing is, though, I think, and Neil's probably, like, like I've got, I'm 10 years older than you. Well, and, and when I was growing up, it was all, ah, oh, bender, bummer, backs against the wall, watch it, bender, bender, bender. And it was like gay people were like, if you were to ever suggest that, because, um, you know, like you can love your friend. Love is different to like sexual urges, I guess. And But like when I was growing up, it was like, if you were gay, like you were about as bad as it got. You know, like it was yeah. that it, that was yeah. the, the worst thing in the world, which thankfully over the years it's changed. 
but certainly when I was growing up, I remember like people used to run around my school and they used to call themselves queer bashers and they used to wear, <laughs> and they, and they were basically skinheads um, with big boots and they used to go around like kicking anyone who was remotely not manly and then beating up anyone who wasn't white. What's <laughs> like, you because it sounds very familiar. <laughs> this was uh, grades <laughs> around the corner from where I am. So at that point, if you're like not feeling manly, uh, then you're really on your guard, you know? Like, you know, you think, like for me, I'm like, oh, I'm not like, oh shit. I like, I'm not gay, but everyone's going to think I'm gay, you know, because yeah. I was shit with girls. I was scared of girls. So it's like, everyone's going to think you're gay and that's as bad as being gay because you're going to get the same kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, that, that was, a, you know, similar really. I mean, I was questioning my sexuality. Um, you know, I, I would recognize myself as bisexual. I'm not active. I'm married. I've got a child. I'm you know, happily married and stuff, but it could have easily have gone the other way. Yeah. And maybe if, if, you know, back in the nineties and the noughties, maybe if it was kind of, you know, more uh, acceptable um, for for someone, it may have gone the other way. But you know, it it wasn't, and I'm happily married and everything else. I have to say that because she's probably listening. Um, <laughs> well, actually, probably will listen. Cut that out. Um, but um, yeah, so you know, back back in those days, as you're you're right, it's kind of like I don't want to look. I don't want to look. Because I might think, well, I fancy them, and then they may see me think I'm fancy them, and then I get beaten up. Yeah. So it was very hidden. A lot of the stuff was very hidden. I kind of, you know, hung out with uh, a mate of mine who I had from primary school because um, it was safe. You know, he knew who I was and whatever else. He didn't know anything like that. But you know, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just horrible. Like the entire secondary school was a disaster. I don't speak to anybody I went to school with. Mm. Anyone. So then what happened after that in, after that time in the bath then, Neil? Where did um, you move me along? Yeah, I kind of just... Um, my family's um, uh, very uh, outgoing, very... very out they are a close family, but I just didn't want to put anything on them. Like... People, you know, in, in, in the situation with, with mental health, we, we don't like to burden people. Um, and I, that's exactly what I didn't want to do. So um, my family being quite out there, quite, you know, the, the life and soul of the party, all that kind of stuff. I became the life and soul of the party. I put a mask on. I was, you know, happy and all that. They used to call me the moody one because I'd have these massive dips and then I'd be fine. And then I would just dips and you know, you know, the mask will slip if you like. Um, I just put this massive mask on really. Um, and it was all kind of like, my school life was a bit of a blur really, because it was kind of, I hate going to school. You know, I got picked on by the teachers. I, you know, was worried about looking in the wrong direction. I was always being told that I wouldn't be good enough. Mm. You know, and it was just, it was, it was horrendous. So yeah, so secondary school, I just kind of, Bimbled through it really. Um, did it affect? Did it affect how you did at school? Yes. Like, you engaged, yeah. or were you just constantly worried? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my dyslexia was never picked up. My dyslexia was picked up about six years ago. Um, mm. But um, 
if it had been picked up or done because I've done so much study the last six years I've done a heck of a lot of studying I've learned so much uh okay I'm it's subjects I'm interested in but I just feel that I could have done better yeah. if someone had actually bothered I mean like for example my English teacher before a week before my GCSE exam she came to me and said oh I've lost all your um your coursework I was like oh, that's right. two years worth of coursework and she's like yeah but you wouldn't have got anywhere anyway Oh, so, I so I went to college afterwards oh, and in the year I went from an E grade to a B grade in one year. Yeah. And I, I did go back to the school and show her uh, and was asked to leave the premises. But, um, you know, okay. it's, you know, it, it's that kind of, that, mm. that that's pretty much what my school life was like. There's one teacher that believed in me. He was my history teacher. I could never, I, I want to say Mr. Hall, but I don't think it was. There's one teacher that believed in me, and uh, yeah, and, and I, I, yeah, it was just horrible. And then after like leaving school, I went to college and found drugs. Uh, I used to get stoned with my physics teacher. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Like, oh, he probably retired. Now. I used to get stoned with my physics teacher at lunchtime and then go to a physics lesson, cool. and it'd be quite. How does that happen? Like, I got <laughs> like, like all through college, man. I got stoned as fuck, but I was uh, I was an art student, so it's like that's all right. And but how do you end up getting stoned with your teacher? I don't know how that happens. It sounds well, like we, me and my mate used to go to the pub before oh. um, physics, yeah, because. I don't know why I ended up doing A-level maths and physics. It sounds really good, but uh, afterwards good. I was told that I would have done, I would have got a better grade if I didn't turn up to the exam. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, we used to, we used to go to the pub. Mm. And my physics teacher was there. And I thought, oh, that's, that smells quite sweet. I like that. And I went over to him. We just started skinning up and that was it. So I started getting stoned with my physics teacher. And then I, I, God knows what it was like for others when they were in the lesson because we used to, like, you have a physics teacher who's stoned and there's someone else sitting in a corner just like, whatever. But, yeah, I didn't learn much. <laughs> didn't learn much at all for college, um, for my A-levels. So, yeah, so then, yeah, done that. And then, yeah, I was, um, I was a 90s mod, not the mods. Um, Where did you get in Vespa? I had a Lambretta, uh, LI125, put up to 175. Uh, I don't have it anymore. My hairdresser actually keeps trying to buy, get me to buy a Vespa that he's seen. Yeah, you know, I'm not really a mod, but um, I've got I've got a, like a 300 Vespa now, and I've had like had scooters. Mm. Uh, I didn't learn to drive, so I always had scooters. I love my Vespers. Like my one now is my pride and joy. Yeah, he, uh, he come and uh, saved me on the uh, motorway yesterday. Yeah, he broke down <laughs> and I flew down there right through the traffic on my scooter. Because my, my scooter's fast as shit. Mate, you've done me a right favour. <laughs> did, that, did that give you something? Because uh, the, the one thing, I've never really dipped into it, but um, there's a real community around that. Around like the, the scooter scene, uh, there's a, like a, a lifestyle and a music and a community, um, and um, like that is a scene that's quite accepting of other cultures. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know about sexuality, but definitely cultures. Yeah. yeah, I think 
you know, by then I, um, I was in the air cadets as well. And, and a friend of mine, um, his girlfriend, um, unfortunately she passed away, but I, I was never able to talk to her about her. Um, so I'm going to kind of divulge a little bit, but, um, um, I could never talk to about her before um, I had counselling. And then when I was in counselling, I was talking about it. And then I had this kind of like realisation that I'd actually attempted to, again, to cut my wrist when I was 18, 19. Because um, really? um, uh, my friend Joe, she, um, and I hope if her mum and dad hear this, uh, uh, sorry, her mum and her brother hear this, I, um, I hope that they don't mind me talking about her, but she knew everything. She knew, knew all my little details, everything. Right. She was one of those people that just, you know, we, we, we just sat down one day and I think I was on a bottle of Jack and she, you know, we just opened up and everything just came out. And, yeah. and then, um, and then unfortunately she uh, had an asthma attack and she passed away mm-hmm. and uh, my well just, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I was just getting into the mod scene around that time as well. And, um, like my world dissolved and I went, you know, went downhill and everything just went to crap and, uh, yeah, I went to do it again. And, but this time I kind of just realized that there is something better. I've got a right you now. So I got away with it once. Um, you know, I, I didn't do it before and I'm better for it and I need to pick myself up. And that kind of pushed me to go heavier into a scene. And as you say, you know, the mod scene was, and still is acceptance of everyone doesn't matter who you are as long as you as long as you just like i don't know as long as you just got that certain thing as long as you wear the right trousers and the right seat and the yeah. right fucking fred perry you well that's it like you're, you're saying like you're saying like you know i was all a bit flaunty and all that but i was talking around in like white loafers blue yeah. farers and a knitted t-shirt yeah, yeah. like you don't get away with that in many places. You just walk into a mod scene and everyone's like, wow. And mm-hmm. I even remember, you might like this one, Steve Craddock. I went to see uh, Ocean Colour Scene at the 100 Club. And uh, I've, I, as far as I'm concerned, they are the best songwriters of the 90s. Like, they are phenomenal. Yeah. I love them. And um, I went, went to go and see him. And I, was, I spoke to Oscar before, the drummer. And I was trying to get over to see Simon Fowler and I had this tap on the shoulder and I was like, wait, 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 wait. So just trying to get through the crowd. I turned around and it's Steve Craddock. And I was like, oh, hello, mate. And he went, yeah, I love your, I love what you're wearing. And I was like, he's sweet, cheers, mate. And it was like, yeah. And he was like, um, he said, uh, we're going to have to go shopping. Where do you shop? And I went, I want, I, I basically shop in the same shops you do. I'll find out where you shop and then I go into those shops afterwards. He said, like, you are picking up stuff that I ain't even seen we're going shopping and he put my he went he was um putting my number in his phone and some bloke come along and planted a mic smacker on his mouth like give him a big old kiss and it freaked the life out of him and he went off so oh, he, no. I shouted the three last numbers at him as he was going away it's like oh, oh you had a chance to be mates with Craddock my friend my friend Stuart Knows knows Craddock a bit, like uh, so Mark Watts as well. Oh yeah, Mark, yeah, we've got a couple of friends who uh, kind of connected with um, Steve Craddock, and um, uh, and the, the funny story that I, that I my friend told me was that um, uh, my, um, Craddock had a, a Picasso, and my mate had a Picasso, and he and like. 
it met up and one of them had to drive and he spent the whole time uh, saying how brilliant a Picasso is. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very mod car, man. That really surprised me. I expected saying vintage. <laughs> you know what? When you said Picasso, I thought you literally meant a painting. You're talking about a Citroen, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. It's quite <laughs> funny, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, to, to be fair, I, was, I, I started thinking about it and then when you said about like they were chatting about it. I was like, okay, I, I think I get you mean the car. Well, they, uh, might, oh, they might earn money, but they don't earn enough money to buy a Picasso. If they, if they do have that, then uh, they've nicked it. Because um, yeah. yeah. they used to go around in the old minis as well, didn't they? OCS 1, 2, 3 and 4 uh, on their number plates. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I got into the mod city. Was, say it was just, I could go somewhere where I could just be me in a sense. Like I kind of like realized by then, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, early 20s, I kind of learned the fact that, yeah, okay, I couldn't fancy boys, just fancy girls, and I just have to, you know, brush over that. And, you know, obviously, you know, going out, getting hammered and all that kind of stuff, you're a bit like, um, you know, things kind of let let away a little bit, let slip. Um, you know, you know, and it's just yeah i mean they, i never got ridiculed it was a place where i was accepted i could walk in and it'd just be oh you got a lambert wicked is a series two i haven't seen one of them in ages and we stand there chatting about folks and then you know oh what are you wearing and all that where'd you get that from and you know you're going on this rally doing that you know it was just it was just acceptance it was just everyone had that connection yeah. that it, it, it was oh thinking back on it i miss it now mm. it was yeah, it's it just sensational. And, and I say my hairdresser, he's uh he's actually Italian and he's um and he's he loves the mod scene and he loves scooters and all that kind of stuff. And uh he's like, oh, I'm going I'm going down to the club tonight. And I was like, Oh, what club? And he told me where it was, a scooter club and that. And then he was going, Oh, have you seen this bike? You haven't got a bike yet, have you? I was like, No, I haven't got a bike anymore. And he's like, Right, okay, I've seen this one, buy it, you've got to buy it. If you buy it and you don't and the missus don't let you have it, I'll buy it off you. I'm like, You only want me to buy it. It's in Italy, so I've got to get it back from Italy, and then you'll buy off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, you know, I, I, it was so tempting just to go, do you know what? I'll have that. I'll, I'll, I'll get back into it. But, you know, it's just, I don't think I've got, I, I haven't got time anymore for. Yeah, that's why you have to buy a modern one. They don't, they don't play up. So what happened then? So you said about your friend passing. And then that really took you down, but you're able to kind of like come back up again. Yeah, I came back up through drinking drugs. Yeah, it, helps, um, it? it does in, in the short term. Yeah, I lost a lot of friends over it and stuff like that. And uh, I've got to say goodnight to my little one. I'll show you my little one. Hello. 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 <laughs> you're all right, babe. <laughs> it's bedtime, isn't it? Say time. Oh, love you. Okay, it's okay. Good night, darling. Good night. Good night. <laughs> What's her name? Ivy. I missed that. Sorry. Ivy. Oh, lovely. How oh, beautiful name. <laughs> yeah. My um, kind of third nan, if you like, is my aunt's mum. Yeah, she was lovely. Really lovely. So she's named after her. Um, so yeah, so I, I just ended up on like uh, I was doing a bit of um unprofessional kind of band management and promotion really i promoted 
my first band when I was 16 and I wasn't allowed into the gig. Um, they, I, I, you know, I turned up as I told them my name. Neil Reed, you know, I'm with like Boris. I, I had a company called Boris Promotions. And uh, I said, I'm with Boris Promotions. I've got the band downstairs. And they're like, oh, sweet, yeah. Uh, right, you got any ID? And I was like, no, I'm with the band. Like, I've I, I got, no, 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 you can't come yeah, in. You have mate. to go like, in with them. Uh, I had to go sit in the band. Like, and I was like, fucking brilliant. So the next time I went in with the band, like, um, and I got in, I was like, right then. But um, so I really just got heavily into that, really. I was out a lot. Mm. To the, to the degree, I mean, one of the keyboardists for a band that he used to look after, um, he, he came up to me and he goes, oh, I fucking love to be you, man. I was like, why? He said, because everywhere you go, there's a pint on the side and it's always someone you know. And I was like, that's because when I walk into a bar, like I've been there before and they know I'm coming. So yeah. someone's inspired to be a pint. And then I say hello to someone or I'm standing at the bar and someone's about to buy a drink. I'll like, oh, get that one for you. Come on, let's have a drink together. In the days when pints were cheap enough to yeah. buy other people willy nilly, and uh, you know, and then I just get to know people, and because I've been in a place a lot, hmm. and it was just to excess, really. I was just like, but it's good for your ego, isn't it? That kind of thing. Oh, like, it makes you feel better about yourself because you're like, well, I can't be that bad because people like me. You know, and then yeah, on top of bad. that, you're drinking a lot, you're doing drugs, and that is a nice bit of escapism for a while. Yeah, I mean, it got to, it got, you know, I, I was, I was doing quite well. You know, I, I had places like oh, the Orange ain't there anymore in Hammersmith. I had um, the Orange loads of times. Uh, the uh, Borderline, I've got. Uh, I played there as well. The borderline, um, you know, and I, I was, you know, I was getting known and people knew my name then, you know, and I even got phone calls every now and then, you got a band for tonight. And I was like, fucking hell, like, I'm getting there. Nice. And then I realised I was having to do a line of coke just to get to college. Mm. And then instead of taking a joint at the, you know, the pub, I was doing a couple of lines just to get through the lunchtime. Mm. And I was like, right, where am I going tonight? Right, okay. And look at me, a little black book and go, right, I'm there tonight. Right, okay. Well, what do I need to do? Well, I need to eat. I'll fuck it. You know, just go. And I just turned up and just drink. And, you know, it was just that constantly. So and then, you not, wait, did you have another job? Uh, so I was working. Um, so when I was at college, I had a part-time job at uh, HMV. So I was doing uh, HMV, working work in the music business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I ended up going full-time, full-time there, working in the music business. Uh, just going to see Top Loader a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and Reef. Yeah, I used to hang out with Reef as well. I used to, used to go and see Reef quite a lot. Uh, I like Reef, um, a bunch of lads, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, it was just excess. It was just, I was just on it all the time, and then I lost uh, a couple of friends over it. Um, you know, basically, like you're turning into an ass, you need to stop. And I was like, ah, no, I'm having a good time, you know, look at me, you know, people are phoning me up, and yeah, I'm yeah. important, I'm something special. And then I just hit a wall and I just, I phoned around everyone and just said, look, I'm having a month off. I've got to have a month off. I've got to, because I hurt. And uh, yeah, two months later, um, I phoned uh, Borderline, Orange, uh, and said like, you know, can I, you know, I'm back on the scene and all that. And they're like, who, who are you? Like, Fickle, right? uh, it's only been two months, man. 
I'm like, yeah, mm. uh, sorry, you're out. It's like, yeah, done. So yeah, that, uh, yeah, it was, it was um, yeah, horrible world, music business. Sorry, it's, it's everything you're describing, like, I, I kind of experienced that through, like, I was playing in bands, trying to make it, playing all those venues, and, and, like, and, and, Warren was doing much the same, but much more successfully. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, you kind of get swept up, don't you? And it's all exciting, exciting. It's fun, it's fun. No, you never have a proper conversation. It's brilliant. And then, and then like one day you're like, fucking hell, it's empty. Yeah. It means yeah. nothing. Mm. That's quite yeah. a harsh realization. With it as well. Like, I mean, I've, as you realise when you're like when you're playing venues, I've played every toilet in London. <laughs> toilet in London. And then I started to play venues in London. And then I played a few of them. And then you release it, you get a project that gets signed to a label. And then you get to play like Coco. And you get to play festivals. And then you release a new project and you're back at the fucking toilet again. Yeah. <laughs> because no one gives a fuck that you was in the other band. It don't matter. And I've... Yeah. I've I'm 37 years of age. I played my first gig at 15, 16, and I lied about my age. And I've done it ever since. I'm releasing a new thing like next month. It's like you just keep doing it. I mean, I've, I, as he said, I've had a, I've had a very fruitful thing, but it's still a fickle, horrible fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, that the best thing about music is that when you do get people that really find out about it and they love it. That's what you're making it for. Yeah. As well as yourself. And and that connection, the reason scenes start, the reason like, because I mean, we was like Oasis kids, like when I was growing up. Yeah. Was like, and then it got us into sort of mod revival and the jam. And then we was going to uh, Moonlighting off Oxford Street and Pop Scene and um, I mean Fiddler 2. Uh, and the Wag. Club, the Wag. Within, that was fucking amazing, the Wag. Was it Kings Cross? I can't remember. It was uh, it was Chinatown basically. Yeah, like the worldly gig as well, which is I mean, I'm really yeah. looking about right now. But that that again gave us a sense of like, right, well, we can still do something around this. You know what I mean? And like, and it, it was it was that that, that realization of you just got to fucking crack on, didn't you? But then there's, there's people that are, I don't know, like they miss the sense of community. London gets a little bit too cool for itself, I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was the issue of being in Shoreditch, and it is a very depressing. It can be very depressing if you're just around everyone that's trying to do the same fucking thing all the time, yeah. telling the same lies, touring with the same big band that's been on the NME the last week. <laughs> fucking boring, man. And it and it can it can like it can it can push you to be like, I don't know. I've I've, I've properly been like, I hate this shit. I'm not going out anymore, and I started just to go to dance clubs. Just I didn't want to be in bands anymore. And I started making dance music because you fucking do. But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's I, I understand that, that, I don't know, if it is a community and it does make you feel better. But then I've been on the same as you said, like you start to use everything to just crack on. And like yeah. and lose friends. Like I mean, I've, I've lost relationships. I've severed lots of things because of that, that thing in you because you want to be part of something. Mm. And that's, that's, that's definitely, 100% man I resonate with it massively because yeah. you've given so much to it already didn't you so it's like that's fuck. it you give, you give so much and then when you just go I just need a break just give me a bit of time and then it's just like that's it it's done right, see you later Bye, who, who are you and you're like what 
rough as arseholes, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but it was fun. Yeah. Well, I can remember of it because like you're naming you're naming clubs, and I go, oh yeah, that one, yeah, that one. I don't, I, I you know, I literally just went to like live music venues, and then and then I'd find out that I went to a club somewhere, like an indie club somewhere, and I'd be like, well, what one was that? And they'd give me a name, and I'd be like, oh, okay. But I'd always start in a live music venue. Doesn't matter who was on. Sometimes, sometimes I'd have things booked. Sometimes I didn't. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, and then just, yeah, I don't know. It's it just all changed. And I remember my sister saying to me one day, because in that time when I'd off, she was like, "Don't become a hermit because yeah. you haven't been out." And I'm, well, I was like, for the last however long I've been out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just need to be in. I just need to, I don't know, just relax a bit and just get my head back. How old were you at that point? Uh, I was about 20, 21. Um, oh, still quite young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been doing it for four or five years by then. Oh, yeah. um, 21, been smashing through. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of smashed my way through quite a bit quite early age and then um yeah it's just it's just all madness really it's just i don't know it happened quite quick and stuff and, and i think because like you know going back to my black dog stuff you know um they saved me um uh, a couple of years ago and uh, that, that's how i ended up volunteering and becoming an ambassador and uh and stuff like that and um you know, Nikki, bless her, she's probably bored of me, keep messaging her with all these different ideas, but uh, she loves them and she keeps encouraging me. But I think I just like to keep busy because it keeps me away from my brain. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You're fucking useless. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I said to Nikki earlier, she was just she was just like, you know, you you do so much, you know, just remember you do so much. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think I do. I owe you, literally owe you my life. But you're not looking after yourself. That's the problem. You do so much, but then in um, and that helps because it distracts you. But then within that, yeah. like I do this, like you do so much, it's distraction is wonderful. And then you're like, oh fuck, I forgot to forgot about me. And then you're like, oh, yeah. I'm in again. Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing. Like last couple of weeks, because. Uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but next week, so Tuesday, the 6th of July, you had Andy's Man Club on uh, uh, yeah. a month ago, was it? Um, and um, I listened to them and they, they kind of inspired me in my meeting. But I, I come up for a meeting before lockdown, unfortunately, with a friend of mine. I said, oh, we just had the Miserable Bastards group yeah. and uh, we just go down the pub and we'll just moan. Just get it all out. Just have a moment. Obviously, lockdown happened, so we couldn't do it. But and then when lockdown was, you know, was kind of coming out of it and all that kind of jazz, I, you know, said to my mate again. I said to her, like, "Do you want to do it?" She would do it again. But because I'm ambassador of my black dog, we might be able to get support with it. Yeah, no. So I put it to Nikki, and she's like, "Brilliant, I have that." Mm. So yeah, so next week we've got my black dog meets. Mm. Um, it's just local one, it's a pilot one, just to see how it goes. And I say, Andy Man Club. You know, they kind of inspired me in the fact that, you know, the first half, everyone tells their stories. It's a little bit dark and deep. Yeah. And then at the second half of like, just kind of bringing up, let's chat about something different. Let's, you know, find out something different about people. So, um, 
yeah, it's just set that up. I've been, I've been, I've been basically just sorting out paperwork and uh, and the bureaucracy crap that goes behind it for the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, just yeah, just keeping busy. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be one of those where either no one turns up or too many people are going to turn up. But um, yeah, so we're doing that. So that's that's going to be interesting. And I've had already been contacted by a couple of people on Instagram actually. Uh, I think Mark uh, Mark Glenister uh, was uh, um, my black dog as well. He said about he wished he'd bomb. He had one locally. Um, so there's already been a couple of people mentioning that they would like one locally and stuff like that. And it's open to men and women. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just basically yeah, it's, just, it's basically still the miserable bastards meeting, but we've just made it politer. So Neil, over that time then. So have you had therapy? Have you had medication? Yeah. Have, you, have you done all of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've uh, had four years, so five, five years on and off therapy. Mm. Um, just counselling, sitting down, chatting. Uh, I was really, really fortunate uh, with my first one. She was walked straight in, and we just connected immediately. Yeah. She would laugh about stuff that you wouldn't laugh about. Yeah. She would, you know, she she connected with me ridiculous and you know, I'd be sitting there giggling about, you know, getting blood in the, in the grout and she'd be giggling with me and it, it, it eases that tension in it. It's so important because it is, it's, it's crazy, but it's funny as well. Cause it's like, it's dark as shit. I, I like, I think like, I always say like on the podcast, we laugh a lot, mm. you know, we talk about some really heavy shit, mm. but we laugh about it. We kind of normalise it and make it. As yeah, like- that, that's how. That's how you know. Like you, you said like loads of times. You know, that's how you normalise this shit. If you can take the piss out of it, mm. then it. You know, it makes everything so much easier. And obviously, you've got to know your audience. If I'm sitting with someone who's like really fucking down, I'm not going to sit giggling at them. But you know, if you're sitting there with someone and you know, they're, I do it, you know, at work, they ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, no, I'm doing shit. You know, last year I thought about killing myself. And they're like, fuck, what? Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. No, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry. It's all right. I'm not dead, am I? Yeah, that was, yeah, I'm here. You know, and they're like, oh, I don't know whether to take you seriously or not. It's like, seriously. And then, and, and then the story comes out and then they open up and then they're like, oh yeah, I've had this like couple of problems and you know, this has happened or my son's doing this or my daughter's, th-. and you're like, do you know what? You know, that go to my black dog. Yeah. You know, speak so, to someone. It, just you got my number, just call me and I'll chat to him and just say you're not alone, man. And that's and that's what it is. I mean, you know, it, it's it's you know, I'm in a new club. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not a nineties mod anymore. I still like kind of follow that kind of world and listen to the small faces a lot. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I I love I love all the Motown and Northern Soul. Oh yeah. That's so much better than the jam. I can't bear the jam. I really can't. Everyone fucking what? loves the jam and they're a proper mod band. But like, I'm like, hold on. The small faces are a proper mod band. Even Weller, even Weller would say that. Even Weller would say small faces is a proper mod band. Oh, look, because he's, he he's got his wiki out. He loved Steve's Steve jam that. guitar. He's ripping back as there. I say, I, I didn't get on with that guitar at all. No. <laughs> I, I'd never played one, so you know I was never lucky enough. I've got I've got an acoustic guitar. That's that's about as far as I go. And Beautiful. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I have to get it down every now and then to dust it. 
Me and Warren have got a good collection. I've got most of Warren's stuff around here. <laughs> Does he know? Yeah. <laughs> With us now. So, so what was the change then? So what what was what brought about you being better? Do you think what was what was the shift? I don't, I don't, I don't, I never class myself as being better. You know, well, like you say, recovery, you know, aren't you? I get, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I say I'm in recovery. Yeah, like you, you know, again, you know, listen, listen to this is the reason I want to come on. I, I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass or anything, but listen to your podcast, and it's just like, that's exactly me. You know, that, that's that's exactly it. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, is this the day? Is this the day I pack it in? Nah. And then my little one would run in, or a dog would come in and jump on the bed, and I'd be like, no, nah, I haven't got time to be doing that kind of stuff today. Right, come on in, off we go. And then I've got to get up, you know, and, and, and that keeps me going. Or the missus will kick me out of bed because I've been laid in bed too long, or, you know, I've got to go and do the hoovering or something. Um, she likes to keep me active. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I think it's like the, you know, like, like you've always said, it's about, you know, being an addict. Yeah. You know, you don't, I'm an addict to depression and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, people go, "Oh, how can you have both?" And I'm like, "I can have both because I've fucking got it." You know, yeah. one minute I'm like, "They're I, not a million know, miles away from each other." I've been. Well, really the, the problem I got with it is like your depression is like I don't give a shit. I just don't want to get up. I don't give a shit. And then the anxiety kicks in and goes, "Yeah, but you've got to get up and do this, and you've got this to do, and you've got that to do, and you've got this, and you're like, fuck off." You're just uh, and, and you're middle. a cunt because you're not doing it. Oh, you piece <laughs> of shit! You're not doing it. And you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, you don't care, do you? Just going, you're a piece of shit because you listen to him and then you go back to forwards and you're like, oh man, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, so it's like that. But yeah, I mean, my survival so far, thus far, really um, started, uh, you know, I, when I was going through therapy, I always class it as like, I was going through therapy and there's always someone with all the awards and all the certificates and all the training and, you know, one of the, one of the cancers I had always had that question, the, the dreaded question: How does it make you feel? Oh yeah. And then you explain this: How does that make you feel? And it's like, look, it makes me feel like shit. And I did say to her at the end: It, it makes me feel like shit. If you keep asking me how it makes me feel, I'm just going to fucking leave. So please, just give me some proper questions. And then she changed, and then it was fine. But I always had this itch that was never scratched. Always there was something missing. Yeah. Therapy was great. I always say even if you don't think you need it, go and have a chat with someone who don't know you because you can cut anybody off yeah. and they don't know them. So they go, yeah, okay, that's great, but why are they? And you can't pick it. I was like, you know, uh, but the itch was, yeah. was scratched when I contacted I know my that black itch. box. My oh, black really? box was the one that changed it for me. You know, I, I was sitting there at work um, and I didn't want to burden anyone. I didn't want to be a burden. It always comes up, didn't it? And, I was on I was on the mode of like right on the way home there's that flyover I'm just going to drive off it I'm going to do that fuck it I can't bother and then I was flicking through Instagram and then my black dog came up and I was like oh this is interesting peer to peer fuck it I'll give it a go so gave it a go and then I feel like it was two hours later but I don't think it was but I don't think it was that long but it was a while after and I was just like wow there's someone there who just went yeah, I know that feeling. That's shit, isn't it? And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, that's, that, I just like, it, I don't know, a, a weight was lifted. Yeah. And I was just like, no, man, this is, 
that's amazing. Like you, you've been through it and you're out of it. Oh, I'm not out of it yet, but I'm going to right it. So I can, you know, yeah. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. And it was just, it blew my mind and I was just buzzing from then on, like for a while. And then obviously you have your dips and all that kind of stuff, but I went from being like driving off the edge of the bloody roadway to loving life again and just going, wow, I'm not on my own. This isn't, this isn't just me. And yeah, that was, that was really it. And then, um, how I got to work for my, with my black dog was I'd done a 26 mile walk last year for, uh, Alzheimer's society and, um, lost all the skin off the bottom of my feet because I had the wrong shoes on. And, uh, I come away going, I love that. That was amazing. My feet were killing me, obviously, but I was like, that, that was amazing. I'm going to do that again. Like that idea of something bigger than you. Yeah. Uh, it makes you realise that, like, all of the shit going for your head is kind of, like, it's really small. It's, like, a really small thing because there's so much more. And, like, when, when you do something that's kind of bigger than you, uh, you, your eyes open up and you start looking out, whereas the rest of the time, whereas your depressed brain kind of makes you look in. And then looking in is the fucking problem most of the time. If you yeah. start looking out a little bit more and you, and you start appreciating the things around you, then like, like that's been, I, I think that is quite a big shift. If you can start doing that a little bit, like that's when you start feeling better. Because even if you just do that once or twice a day, it's like, it's a massive thing. Yeah. Like the only reason I do this, like I, like this podcast is all about like I come on here and like we we spoke briefly the other day but like I've, I I talked to you and like I talked to Warren and it's like oh we've all been through it mm. and like we're all everyone's ticking along and then I'll see like Warren's having a good day everything's really good and I think oh then that means I can have a good day because yeah. like we're not really that different no. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I think I can do this. You know, like, I can't do it every day, but I think I can do this. Yeah, it's that hope. You're so right, it's great what you said. Yeah, yeah, hope. Mm. It's funny, the other thing I really had to say is when a therapist says to you, why? uh, Like, that pisses me off. But because they do it so much, um, like, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm like, fuck off as well. And then that one in 10, I'm like, oh. And the reason why I say those things and I do those things is because I'm insecure. I'm like, it's all just that. And that's, oh, fuck. And that is really little. You know, like, I just feel insecure. But, like, my brain's telling me I'm insecure. But all these other things in the world all around me are telling me the exact opposite. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can deal with that then. Mm. Just start, yeah, I can fucking deal with that. I know that's not true. That's my brain being an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and since I've heard that on your on your um, thing for the last three months, I've been, you know, especially the last couple of weeks, I've used that pretty much every day. Shut up, you arsehole. You're <laughs> just being negative. Leave me alone. Just give me a second and let me go and do something else. Take my mind off it. So, the, yeah, um, I've been... The, the, the mindful thing is to go, 
thank you. You don't say you're an arsehole. You go, thank you, brain. Uh, like what you're saying, yeah, we, we, yeah, yep. Yeah, I need to be safe. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it's like you know, like when your mum nags you because they're worried about you, but you know that she's all right. It's that coming to a point when you can go, "That's all right, brain." No, no, no. I appreciate it, but like, I know better because I'm a grown up. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've just I'm just finishing a uh, meditation course actually to be a practitioner. Oh, and, really? Uh, so I've been doing the uh, like Zen stuff, and I, I've read a couple of books on mindfulness, and I do like that. And so when I'm meditating, you know, people go like, um, it was um, what's the name? Russell Brand that said it actually. Um, he said people always say to me it's really difficult to meditate because all I do is think. And it's like, well, yeah, that that's what meditation is. Yeah. Like you sit there, and then you've got nothing to do except think. But what you do with those thoughts is what you do with those thoughts. So you kind of, how I look at it when I meditate and those thoughts come in, if I want to acknowledge it, then I'll think about that. Because it might be something I need to unpick. It might be something that is, is all of a sudden come to me and I'm like, wow, that's that's a great idea and I could use that. But sometimes I look at it and go, yeah, I don't need that. So it can't be a negative thought. While you're sitting here, you should be going out cutting the grass. You know, what you're sitting here for, like you're saying, you know, your brain's just giving you, like, you know, the jip and you're like, hang on a minute. And you just go, oh, do you know what? That's just another cloud I don't need. And you just, yeah. just drifts on. And then you just shut down and then you just get to the next one. And sometimes they come along and you think, oh, I'll, I'll engage with that one because I quite like that idea. And I've unpicked quite a few things uh, when I've been meditating and you know, just basic things, just looking, you know, I do a bit of woodwork. Sometimes I'll be sitting there going, ah, I can't figure out how to do that i'll do a bit of meditation and all of a sudden i go oh yeah a bit of like divine inspiration again you know it's just kind of yeah it's just yeah so it's just just see they just say just you know that mindfulness of just you see the idea or that thought or something and you can either go i engage with it because i want to Mm. no i don't really want to and you just let it go i think it's it's that not arguing with it yeah Quite often, like anxiety, depression, a lot of these things is like you argue with it. Mm. And like, uh, you know, I was saying, like, don't argue with the brain. Uh, like, when you when you meditate, like, this is what I find. I'll, I'll spend the best part of half an hour arguing with myself as to why <laughs> I shouldn't be doing it. Or, oh, shit, all I can think about is bad shit. Why am I thinking about bad shit? And then after a while, like, I normally do, like... Um, I'll do like an hour and my wife's like you don't need to do anything just go go upstairs for an hour and then like halfway through I'm like oh she's killing me I need to I want to do something I want to play guitar and like how does that work and uh, and then like I'm like oh I'm gonna have to do another hour uh, half an hour and I start to just go do exactly what you said you just go oh well that doesn't matter yeah Uh, oh that never mattered what am I doing? Yeah, well, that's it. Most of the things you think about, you think, why does that matter? It would have mattered before, but it doesn't actually make any difference to anything. Yeah, not really. A lot of the things. Yeah, so you end up worrying about worrying. I think that's half the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, an hour. Well, I haven't done an hour this one. Oh, no. I, sometimes I just listen to Sigur Ross. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, because that's fucking amazing. <laughs> 
or I listen to radio. Sometimes I just do that, but I figure, well, I've got an hour. Like, if, if I'm not into it, I'll just do. I'll listen to some music. It's a good opportunity. I've been right. waiting for someone. I've been waiting for someone for ages to say that they sit and listen to Radiohead. I love Radiohead. They seem to have just disappeared. You mentioned Radiohead people. Like, who are they? You're like, oh man, they still headline the festivals. Man, it's still yeah, like one of the biggest bands not, in the I world. I obviously won't, won't hang around the wrong people, but you know, it's just like. I How can you not know, that, that, that last record, I went and watched it in Oslo. Fucking amazing. The, the, the live, the, and that was what, three years ago now, I guess? Breathtaking band. Hey, oh, uh, yeah. actually, on that, I don't know if you watched the Blackenbury thing recently, but he's the, the new band, The Smile, which is Tom York, uh, Johnny Greenwood, um, Nigel Rod, uh, what's Nigel Godrich? Godrich. And, and the drummer, Tim, whatever, from another band. They're oh. like punk, they're well good. Like, Tom Mills. What's that? The smile. Smile, yeah. There goes a little bug. Watch it on the glass. Mm-hmm. Right, Neil. Tell us how we follow everything you're doing. So, uh, with um, obviously the, the stuff that I do is on myblackdog.co. Uh, there link. There's links on there. Um, I have a just given page that should be on the website. Uh, also, um, I'm on uh, track uh, trekking. With my black dog, an underscore in between all the all the words, um, on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not great with. Uh, I do go on there, um, but that's just under Neil Dread, um, and that's it really. That's me. Um, so yeah, check it with my black dog underscore between all the words, and then yeah, myblackdog.co. They're the ones I really kind of kind of go with. Uh, Facebook, I'm kind of. I've not got my head around Facebook. Well, Neil, we're mates now. So, uh, and you've got my number. So, like, when you're having a bad time, you give me a shout. Yeah, and I'll take you up on that, which I did the other day. And uh, again, vice versa, when you're having a bad day, or even if you're having a good day, let me know. Yeah, lovely. It's just as important to know when you're having a good day than it is to have a bad day. It really is as well, man. It's like, it's just, yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes it picks someone else up when you go in. I'm having a great day, so you're fucking a wicked. Good, I'm playing. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking lovely. Yeah. Oh, Neil, yeah. mate. Awesome. I've really loved this. Mm. We've massively overrun. Really um, I could have just kept going, but I'm like, oh, like I want to put the podcast out as yes. like straight as can be. I don't want to like edit. It's just bash. Yes, and then it's like, oh, well, we have to round it up. Neil, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been, it's been a fucking superstar. It's been amazing. Thank yeah, you, mate. Yourself, guys. Thank, thank you. you Thanks, been, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Take care. See you, mate. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.